What up, dog? Brother, what's up? How you doing? Good, dude. Shit looks good where you're at. You're all moved in. Got some Finally, space. I moved in. I got my shit set up. I got my fucking my feng shui of death metal here in my office. I am I am good. How are you? I'm great, man. Same. Everything's everything's how was, killer. How was your trip to Texas? It was sweet, man. It's very he- very heavy metal. Got to see a sweet show, which was cool. Uh, this place was real small. Frozen Soul fucking destroyed. Sam's Sam's a sweetheart. It was very cool to meet her in real life. Was, yeah, I, I can't I can't wait to see them and, and meet her. Yeah, they're they're really fun. They have like the ice machines going and shit, and like people are like moshing and slipping. It's like pretty hardcore. It's pretty sweet. <laughs> <laughs> and uh goat whore rules. Zach's all Zach's awesome. Cool to meet him too. Lifts and riffs yeah. is going global, man. You know? Exciting stuff. Zach is a good dude, yes, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was fucking awesome. They ripped, and uh, Texas is cool. There, it's its own country down there. You know, they don't give a fuck. So, oh yeah, cool. I, I am I am familiar. Did you uh, did you get you some water burger while you were there? I did not, unfortunately. Man, you fucked up, man. I know, I know. That's why I need you to remind me of these things, bro. You're gonna have to go back. I will go back. Yeah, uh, one of my best friends lives there, so I I go like at least once a year. So no problem. Come for the Whataburger, stay for the crippling COVID rates. Yeah, why not? But they don't exist down there. It's fine. Fair. Very good. I like that. I like it's, where your head is. It's, it's totally fine. Yeah. Um, yeah, everything else is cool, man. What's been going on in your world other than uh, moving? Man, uh, nothing. Just doing the doing the move has like wiped me and my wife out. We're just sort of like floating right now. We're still like getting shit organized around the place. We are still like getting rid of furniture and like getting new furniture and stuff. So it's still in a little bit of a state of flux, but I've got my, I've got my little safe haven in my office set up now. So like, I'm good. School starts tomorrow. I'm going to be back teaching tomorrow. So that's going to be a welcome return to a little bit of form. Um, Fun times in DC. It seems like every the last couple of times we've done this, there's been like a fucking bomb threat. That's what I'm talking about. Wasn't there? Wasn't there a bomb threat across the street from my building last time we talked? Do you Hell remember? Yeah. If that was? Okay, yeah. so there was that, and then this morning apparently there was a bomb threat somewhere in the Capitol, and I went on my long Thursday run a little while ago and had to go like a mile and a half out of the way or some shit like that because they had so they had this wide area wrapped off and uh there were cops everywhere and like i accidentally ran into the area like because i wouldn't pay attention and i just kind of jumped over some caution tape and i, I thought they were going to fucking tackle me but i got i got through it was okay that'd be so great i totally want a video of you getting <laughs> yeah that would be you could uh that that could be my uh my legacy could be getting killed by the Washington DC police. And if it's on camera, that could be like sampled and put into a fluid song. I, I wouldn't be humiliated by that. I, I, I would feel like I'd be immortalized. Just in case it happens again, make sure you're wearing a death comes lifting shirt and we'll use it for publicity. Oh man. Can you imagine that? My fucking bullet riddled body laying on the fucking concrete with uh with a death comes lifting shirt on. That would be you to get like flags of that made i 
I would be disappointed if I if 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 I died for that and you didn't you didn't do that for me. I would do it, bro. I'd do everything. Don't worry. I have your I have your arrangements taken care of, especially when my dog. Shame shameless marketing. Like I learned from Gene Simmons, bro. Hey man, he would do it. If it's out there, if it keeps his name on somebody's lips, that motherfucker will do it. Exactly. So what's uh what's new in the music world for you? What's new in your death metal listening? I've I've been so fucking caught up doing a bunch of, you know, dealing with moving and boxing and unboxing shit. I have not been really checking out too much new stuff. The last new new record I got was that Laceration album. It was their first full length. Uh, that was really good. Uh, I've been going back and listening to like some Napalm Death, some Exhumed. Yeah, yeah. Um, always. Yeah, sticking, sticking with the classic. Like now that I'm now that I'm like now that I've got everything set up and I've got like more room to like actually put things away and like see what all I've got, I'm ready to I'm ready to start picking up some new shit again. So I've been I've been tied up for the last few weeks, but I'm ready to uh to branch back out and hear some new shit. Have you heard of Necrofire? Like, yeah, yeah, it's like uh, it's some of the dudes from Malignant Altar, is it not? It's like a black metal band that uh, some of the dudes from Malignant Altar have. Yeah, and they have a they have a record coming out on Season of Mist. I forget exactly when, but they actually played uh, before Frozen Soul in Austin. I'd never heard of them or seen them before, and they're really really fucking cool. They rip, so I've been listening to them, and well, we should get them on the on the show. That'd be awesome. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're great. I've been listening to that. Uh, the new, well, I guess it's old vitriol EP is great. Yeah. Christ. Yeah, that's sick. And uh, I haven't uh I, I'm ready to hear the the the, the re-recorded vocals. Um it's great. I haven't I haven't heard the new version of it yet. Is it can you hear that or like I pre-ordered it, but I haven't heard it yet. Yeah, I I feel like it, it is uh it is that. Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah, I think so. Anyway, I don't don't quote me on that. Vit- the vitriol army out there. If I'm wrong, don't hurt me. But I, I think so. As far we, as when we get done, I'm gonna run that down because I gotta hear that. Definitely. That's about it. That's about all. I, that's about all I got new as well. Um, I know you hate D. Snyder and his new album is really funny. I, I that- do, man. I. Why I, do you hate D. Snyder so much? But let's talk about this. I want to know. I don't like his face. I understand. No, I just, I, I feel like he, I, I, like, it's one of those things that I, so, you know who, you, obviously, you know who Ray Liavik is. Do you know, are you familiar with a movie that he did called No Escape? No. All right. It was like, he, he's like a criminal who gets sent to this criminal island or whatever, and he's got to like survive the evil outer tribes and make it to like the good people on the inside. And he's like, anyway, I remember wanting to see that when I was a kid really bad. And my dad rented it for me. And like, we started watching it together. This was like VHS days. Right. And I remember my dad saying, I hate that guy. And I was like, who, what do you mean? You know, cause I was a kid. And he was like, Ray Liotta, I hate him. I don't like his face. I kind of understand And, that. and yeah. I don't, I, I, that, that to me is the closest I can get for articulating why I fucking hate D. Snyder. <laughs> like he just, he sucks. <laughs> I don't know, man. Like he seems <laughs> like so a good. dick. Um, so he good. seems like he's like super full of himself. He seems like he's got like, 
a way higher like appreciation of his band than he should because i man this is going to come back to bite me some way or another but like i fucking hate twisted sister i hate d snyder's fucking solo shit like that that record he did with jamie josta or whatever it's seriously like the lyrics are like hallmark gift card like inspiration it, it just it seems it seems like going through emotions in like the worst way uh and i i don't know why because like i listen to a lot of shit that really is just sort of like lowest common denominator going through the motion shit so like i'm not sitting here saying that like i'm better than d snyder or that i'm better than like people who like d snyder's music that's not it at all this is just a thing that i hate and i wish that i could articulate better why i hate it but i don't like it i kind of love that you don't have a great reason because i've just <laughs> i feel bad now like i'm gonna have to sit down i'm a fucking as a as a as a writer this this will not stand man i'm gonna have to fucking sit down and figure out exactly what it is so that i can next time we do this i'm gonna have like a carefully worded walkthrough of why i fucking despise d snyder dissertation on it i'll tell you what i did uh, another thing that i hated was that fucking strange land movie do you remember that shit did you ever see that i did yes i did see i don't hate d snyder as much as you in fact i will say i i fucking dig twisted sister Oh man! Well, and like that's okay. And like I said, it's not. I, I I don't. In like a funny way, though. I like you know. I I like Twisted Sister. Like I like Steel Panther. You know what yeah. I mean? It's for yeah. different reasons. And I don't. I I'm with you on D. Snyder's solo shit. It's really well, bad. And that's one of the things about Twisted Sister that I think is interesting is that they don't know that they are Steel Panther. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah. D. Snyder, D. Snyder, like takes himself and his legacy like super seriously, and he I, he talks about when I go before the PMRC, I was super smart, and they didn't see that coming, and and I was like, really? I mean, it was yes, you thought critically, and you were able to string a sentence together, but like you were not a dangerous genius, you know what I mean? It's not like they had fucking Hannibal Lecter sitting there telling him why they were wrong, right. and then that other fucking guy in that band, J.J. French. He's yeah. like, no one compares to us when we fucking play live. Like, we we blow them off the stage and want to be like, motherfucker, you are 60. You don't blow anybody off fucking anything. It's, it's just, I don't, I, I don't know. Like, I don't. And also, like, when D. Snyder hosts something or whatever, he, when, he says, when he says metal, he says metal like that. And it makes yeah. me just want to fucking wring his neck, man. It drives me crazy. Another thing that I hate about D. Snyder, this is a fair thing to say is that his body looks amazing. Have you seen that motherfucker without a shirt on? Yeah, to me, that's that's why I love D. Snyder, in a way. D. Snyder, he, is, he a, D. Snyder is like a 65-year-old man who is in better shape than I've ever been or ever will be. Yeah. And I fucking, and I, 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 I hate him for that, too. And You're I feel like that. On, on the body thing. I, I want to see where Rocco fucking martone weighs in on this we got to get Holy him in here shit. Get him right if in. we got rocco in the waiting room get that like, motherfucker i in. think the last time he was here we were debating whether we he liked bob dylan or not and now he's going to come into this rocco brother rocco it's a okay. family reunion oh shit where'd he go boom there we are this is rocco, what up man this is legendary guy yeah this is legendary we are like we're super honored for you to be the very first repeat guest on Lifts and Riffs. Yeah, well, like, it, 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 
This was like the first couple times watching me use a computer. It's like watching the first uh, scene of 2001. <laughs> <laughs> you finally picked up the fucking bone. Uh, and now it's time to get to business. I love it. I did send a text to Zach saying that my bike chain fell off my mountain bike. Except for I sent it to a different person in my phone. So. Oh, okay. I was going to say, I definitely did not receive that. So sweet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Uh, Are you glad, okay? Glad you're okay. Yeah, I just can't stop sweating, but I'm good. Well, don't, don't sweat this, man. We were just in a, in a pretty heated debate on the subject of, of D. Snyder. And we need, we need to get your opinion on this. What, what do you think of D. Snyder slash Twisted Sister? Wow. Uh, I think he's good for music in general. Uh, he's an East Coast, a Long Island uh, boy. I don't really care about his music, but you know, you can't deny those those videos were like the videos for metalheads to get into as a young uh, kid. Oh yeah, all the power to him. I don't I'll feel it. Yeah. <laughs> Shoulder seething. Shoulder has like an unreasonable hatred for D. Snyder, and I, I fucking dig Twisted Sister. So I just, we just wanted to get your opinion on it real quick. That's all. Nothing serious. The Southern boy hating on Yankees, pretty much. I think. Much yeah, that's. I we can, maybe we can lump that in too. Maybe it can just be like he's from Long Island, so I don't fucking like that guy. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like if anybody on Long Island is going to get the glory, it should be suffocation. I think that uh, we should be talking about them instead of Twisted Sister. Well, I mean, they didn't really have the opportunity to fight Tipper Gore in uh, the Supreme. Yeah, I know, right? Can you imagine <laughs> fucking? Can you imagine Frank Mullen like sitting across from Tipper Gore at the fucking PMRC hearing, like, uh, doing his fucking karate shop? Yeah. <laughs> It really shows you. Thought of killing entered my mind. <laughs> like, oh, okay, well, I trust you. It, it really shows you how underground metal music is in that, like, that was, like, underground music. But, like, there was much gnarlier shit that, kept, that was happening around those times that, you know, you never saw anyone, like, bring a, I guess maybe the aside had some legal issues. But, you know, it was such a, it shows you how underground death metal is even compared to the most, underground kind of style of popular yeah. music right yeah. uh, while that's going on no one's even paying attention to it and they're way more outrageous and gnarly like twisted sister that guy's wearing makeup and glenn bitten's like i burned a cross into my head <laughs> yeah let's go yeah well i should do that you should do that that would, that would definitely enhance the bald look for sure that would. I think that it would give, it would like center things a little bit, I think. I don't know. We'll have to see what happens. I'll have to think about the sizes. I'm already thinking about tattoos. So brand is probably just the next best thing. You get free free merch for life if you do the Death Comes Lifting Cross. I wonder, oh yeah, I could do that. I wonder, I wonder what Glenn Benton would do if I got an inverted cross branded into my forehead. He'd probably call me a dipshit. He would, you're not, you're such a, not even a thought in his mind in any way whatsoever. I'm sure he doesn't care about anything but fucking picking lizards off his Florida home. If I got, if I, I think that he would make time for me if I got the brand, surely he would. Like, that's the way that you meet Glenn Benton is if you get the fucking, did you, I, I read in an interview somewhere, I, I don't know if we should talk about this on the podcast before or not. I read in an interview that, like, I think. One of his kids, when his kids were little, asked him how that happened, like what happened to his head. And he, he told them that he was running in church 
and he and he hit his head on a on a crucifix and like that's what happened. Um, thinking about Glenn Benton explaining, thinking about Glenn Benton being a dad is just funny to me in general. I bet Glenn Benton's nice deep down, dude. I bet he has. I bet he has a soft soul. Okay, yeah, like if you watch, if you look at like the banter and stuff on. Uh, at least those live DVDs. I've never seen Deicide live, but like on the, what is it? When London Burns or whatever, if you look at the the little banter between songs, the dude's like a clown. Like it's awesome. He's He seems like super funny. Um, and you hear stories about how much of a dick he is, but at the same time, seems like maybe he's got a better sense of humor or like a weird sense of humor that maybe some people who meet him don't get. I don't know. I'm going to have to meet Glenn Benton and figure it out. We're just manifesting him on the show, man. He'll be on soon. We'll get yeah, him. Was, we'll see. <laughs> I mean, he's got to be a better dad than half the assholes you see running around with doctors pulled up their nipples and, you know, just backward sunglasses on their heads acting, you know, just whatever. But you it's funny. The upside down cross is even, it's funny that that's such a symbol for like rebellion. It's not even kind of that, but it's also like a St. Peter symbol, I think. It's about St. Peter's martyr. It, it's it's not necessarily an anti-Christian symbol. It just kind of is interesting. I was unaware of that. So there's like so like the inverted cross is like some sort of Christian iconography as well. Like it's not it's not always bad. As far as I know, it has something to do with Saint Peter and like how he martyred himself for. Yeah, I'm I'm not you know that's not my. Not a lot of those symbols are like inherently evil right like i feel like the swastika even had good intentions it's just people that like fuck it up i mean my wife went to a wedding of our friend who's indian and there's a swastika on the envelope that invited us there it's still like they didn't just give up on using a symbol they've been using for thousands of years just because the uh, you know an asshole in germany fucked it up for everyone else you can't really do that i mean there's a carcass that has like the coexist it actually has like a Nazi symbol, the, the swastika on it. And I'm like, man, that's a tough one to wear out in public, man. <laughs> you know, yeah, I don't, I don't think, I don't think that I would, that I would do that. I, I, I feel like it, it would be one thing if, if like the swastika, what is it like you said, Indian is, I, I know it's some sort of Eastern religion, it right? It's just, that it's associated with. It would be one thing if, like, I were a part of that culture or whatever, and it were, like, uh, a big deal, like, within my understanding of the world or whatever. But, like, I feel like, a, let's say me, for example, a um, a 30-something white, straight, regular-ass, vanilla American male, if I were to go out yourself and be like, credit, bro. You're if I were to be like, I'm going to go out and reclaim the swastika, and then like, no, I don't think that, I don't think that I should be able to, to do that. You know what I mean? I, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't try to do that. So like, if it's, if it's, if you, if it's part of your culture and if it's part of the way that you identify with the world, I can understand wanting to put up a fight. And I feel like in a different part of the world, that's probably a, 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 a conversation that can be had. But I think like, here and i'm not talking about your friend rocco you said they're that's like a family thing for them like the, whatever but like they're, they are here. from india so yeah they're from india but like i'm saying like here uh, for example i don't think i don't i don't think that's a winning battle man no i don't even think that's a thought i'm just saying that I mean, exactly yeah, yeah. symbols and how they're used yeah interesting i mean i need a symbol of like pasta and uh, some ravioli for to for a goomba symbol, you know what I'm saying? 
You, yeah, you got you do. You have your own fucking emoji now. You've got the uh, you've got the oh, hand. Yeah. <laughs> I did not know that. Oh, you didn't yeah, know we, that? Uh, you didn't know that there's an Italian there's an Italian hand emoji now. Oh, good. That's awesome. You know, where where were your ancestors from in Italy, Rocca? Uh, they were wherever the uh, kind of like where the mountains are over there. Uh, shit. Sorry. I don't know. I don't know, man. It's it's all good. I'm just just curious. Uh, they came over here like to escape with the Nazi kind of uh, invasion. So they kind of hid up in the mountains until they were able to get the fuck out of there and then come oh, here. Shit. So that sounds like an interesting story, man. Like it's a thing that people don't really know that it happened in Italy, where they you know Germans like, came into Italy once uh, everything went sour with uh, uh, Benito and. Uh, Kind of just went, well, we're going to fuck these people up now, too. So, like, my grandmother was in, like, a mountain range with, like, four kids hiding in the caves of Italy. Like, this is a very common thing that happens I, in Italy that a lot of people don't know about. I can't, I can't the name of the movie, but I saw, it was like a horror movie that I saw a few years back that takes place on the, it's Italy, and I think the border between Italy and Slovenia in the mountains. Um, and I want to say that there's some sort of... I don't know if it's related to the Nazis or if it's like some sort of like collaborators or, or, or something like that. I, God damn it. I'm going to have to figure that out now. But yeah, it was something that I was unaware of. I was unaware of sort of like the history of that region. And it seems like a really interesting place. And I would think that you having family who were like in that area for that series of events would be some pretty interesting shit. If any of them are, are still around or if you ever. Unfortunately, I was way too young when they died for me to have any like smartness to ask, intelligence that'd be like hey tell me the stories you know they were just a bunch of old fucks i mean my grandmother had my grandfather was dead before i was born and my grandmother had one leg so i was terrified of her said on this podcast and it used to be in her bedroom at the foot of her bed and that's that actually faced the bathroom at her house so to go to the bathroom, I'd have to close my eyes and, and block my head like a horse at a horse race and try to duck into the bathroom without seeing the fake leg at the foot of the bed. So, do you think that maybe this sort of early, early uh, uh, encounter with like prosthetic horror maybe influenced your death metal tastes along the way somewhere? I do know that maybe. I do know that my sister, who is uh, loved tormenting me as an older sister, um, would tell me. It was a like a like a spinal tap drummer situation, which was like oh like a her gr dad and Uncle Amal were lifting a piano and fell on her leg, or she was swarmed by bees, or like <laughs> like she fell down a mountain. Like don't go by the mountain. Like anything I was doing tangentially, she would think of like oh like there's bees. That's how Grandma got her leg. Thing. Like <laughs> so, like she would just torment me with all these stories of like random ass shit. So and fucked up. Moving pianos was such a big part of cartoons and like Laurel and Hardy. Like it sounds very old, like moving, moving uh, big, yeah. like uh, bank vaults and shit like that. It it seems a little more tangible now because you know it's not much like quicksand humor. Moving piano humor has kind of gone to the wayside. But yeah, well, I mean, when you're a kid, you you, you seem to be under the impression that those are going to be like big problems for you in life that you need to avoid, like a falling piano or quicksand or like the Bermuda Triangle and shit like that. You know, you think when you're a kid, 
this is gonna these are gonna be things that I'm gonna have to contend with as an adult. And then like you get out of the house when you're like 18 or whatever, and like I've never had to worry about the fucking Bermuda Triangle. And it's pretty no, cool. no, no, no. I did fall off of a mountain once, but that's I'm here to help no. Please elaborate. I was shooting a movie with my friend and uh we were dummy off the side of the mountain to replicate a character flying off the side of a mountain, and I thought I didn't get it all the way down. The mountain had a slight grade, but not really that much. And I, there's a, there's a wall to get to the other side. And I thought I could kind of repel to get the dummy and do it again without. And I realized I couldn't. And when I turned around to climb back over the wall, like the rock and the wall just fell out and I just fell. And my butt. Oh. Yeah. Uh, shit. I mean, this sounds crazy because you're going to say bullshit, but it's like a hundred foot drop. But the gradation was so that I fell and I hit as the mountain jutted out at maybe like a 45 degree angle, like a, like 20 feet down. So I kind of hit that and then bounced down. But there were people where I did close my eyes and just accept my fate, which is very weird. Cause I'm, I'm not normally very uh, comfortable with my own death. Um, but I did go, well, this is it. And I just closed my eyes. I just fell backwards for, it seemed like an eternity. It was, my friend said it was like six feet, seven feet to go backwards off the side of the mountain, you know, off a wall, retaining wall. But yeah. nice. It was peaceful at the end until I. <laughs> did you get? Did you get fucked up, man? Like, did you have to? Did you break any bones or anything? Yeah, the way I went, my feet. Since I was backwards, my feet hit the like the side, and I flipped back over. So I landed just on my feet and just broke my my ankle and my foot and fractured a bunch of shit in my foot. But other than that, and a couple of scrapes and bruises. But I really, I'm really, I'm glad that you're okay. <laughs> yeah, we're glad you're live and kicking, bro. So like, yeah. what's, what's with you, man? Or we haven't really got into anything. What, what is fucking going on in the life of Rocco Martin? Yes. yes. Dead, man. You've been going through a lot of shit. What's up? What's up? Fill us uh, in. I mean, more positive shit in my own personal life? Or about yeah, yeah. Good stuff. I didn't mean bad shit. Oh, oh. oh I survived. Tell us about everything that sucks in your life. No. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us weird. the good shit. What's going on? I mean, I'll start. I survived falling off a mountain in 2004. So since <laughs> since then it's been all uphill. Uh, you got married. I did get married twice. The real one just happened in uh, the uh, July third. Uh, Fuck yeah! Family and uh, friends and not my the sister who tormented me was not there. We don't have a great. <laughs> just so you know, I hold the grudge, motherfuckers. So lies <laughs> <laughs> or else. Hell did yeah. you ever? Did you ever get her back? Did you ever like figure out a way to to to, to get back at her for all that? No, nah, probably Charlie Brown, and she's probably holding the football for eternity in that one. So I <laughs> from the whole family situation. So that's a more no man for a more uh, a late. That's a late night three a.m. conversation to have. But yeah, I got married. It was fucking awesome. Uh, bought a house in December. Yeah, January, moved in, and uh, personally, it's been great. I got a Christmas card from you, and like I teared up. I was like, "Holy shit, this is like what a good dude, like a for real good dude." So like he he doles out Christmas cheer. It was fucking awesome. I'm glad you liked it. Um, yeah. So that's that. Uh, got a little pool in the backyard and doing like housework things. So you know, kind of boring shit. I don't know. I mean, like, it's it seems boring, like, to talk about, but at the same time, like, I would think that, you know, I'm only in an apartment now, but but the more we 
we get our apartment like feeling like home to us, the, the better like my baseline is. Like I feel more comfortable with my surroundings, you know? So I, I would think that like buying a house and like sort of, you know, changing up things like the plants or digging a pool if that's what you did or like getting shit set up around the house or whatever, like you feel more right you feel more relaxed and that might not be super exciting but at the same time like I think it adds a, a quality of peace to your home life that is invaluable yeah I am getting to that point it's still taking time to acclimate like I I was I was in my last apartment for like 13 years so I'm still trying to find that like my enough to write for the band and do artwork and stuff so I still haven't exactly found out my schedule still a little messed up but yeah I'm not worried about getting there but I mean I'm much more uh I mean I was in a woodsy area now more so now even like i'm in a much more secluded area of new jersey than i was before which is nice it's a little more not what most most people think of new jersey probably they don't realize that there's mountains and and lakes and shit like that in new jersey yeah, the, the only the only new jersey wilderness that i'm familiar with is is from the pine barren episodes of the sopranos i mean you've seen friday the 13th that's that was filmed in new jersey Oh, was it really? I did not know that. Uh, it's down there. It's in the Pine Barrens. Down there. A uh, Boy Scout camp. That they, uh, it's still operable to this day. Like the first one? The first yeah. one? Oh, shit. There's a diner right there that has finally embraced it. Now has like a J. It doesn't say like Jason Voorhees Diner, but if you go in and order, there's a little thing, little display, and then there's like a Jason Burger and shit like that. So, what's, Do you have any idea what's on the Jason Burger? I do not, um, Kevin Bacon. <laughs> yeah. And it's got like a fucking, it's got like a fucking uh, arrow stuck through it to like, you know yeah. how they put like a fucking toothpick through the bun on the burger? They have like a little fucking. Yeah. Or like Crispin, Crispin Glover onions. Maybe Crispin, Crispin. Crispin Glover onions. Um, uh, I'm drawing, a, I'm drawing a blank on some other shit. Like, maybe some I'm sort of like. That one cruise kid. ship food, like all that you can eat. Yeah, and that dude who does the karate, he wants to get the enchiladas and gets just to blow out his asshole in the uh, <laughs> yeah. In I, the I, I met that dude at a at a horror convention we were working. He's fucking hilarious. Miguel Nunez Jr., the damn enchilada. Somebody brought him a frozen thing of enchiladas to sign, and it was fucking hilarious. He, My he buddy was, just met uh, Joe Bob a couple weekends ago. At his yeah. Event. Driving over by you. That's by you, right? It's uh, the Mahoning drive-in, right? It's like four hours away from me. Like it's in, it's towards, it's closer to Philly, I think. Uh, I could be wrong. It's like two hours. I don't know how far it is from Casa del uh, del Volante. Speaking of uh, Christmas cards, when I sent one to Zach, I did a creeper move and like Google mapped his a uh, Google Earth, Google Earth his house. Hell yeah. Oh, shit. And I was like, oh, Pittsburgh, you know, you think of like the Steel City. And I'm like, oh, this guy with this palatial estate out in the rolling hills of Pittsburgh. I was like, what a nice little. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're outside of the city, dog. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, but once again, everyone thinks of Pittsburgh in one way. And then it's like, oh, I, I thought you were like, you know, like in a fucking flash dance video, like banging on fucking steel with metal. <laughs> Some days. <laughs> Some days are weirder than others, man. <laughs> Not denying that.
That would have to be a good workout, like I would think, being like a steel worker. Or does does that does steel work fucking do they do the hammering and shit like that anymore, or is it all just machines? You're from Pittsburgh, so I expect you to know. I'm thinking it's all machines, man. I've I've, I've listened to that new Fear Factory album like twice, so I think it's totally all the machines. Hey, I've listened to a new Fear Factory album a bunch. And that was it. That was an intentional. Like, all of the all of the shitting on Twisted Sister and D. Snyder's fucking joke ass solo music that I did earlier. This is what I mean when I say I don't think that I'm any better than that or yeah. the people that listen to it because I love Fear Factory, and that's some fucking lowest common denominator shit. At least at this point, right? Yeah. Like older Fear like D. Manufacturer, you can't fuck with that. I, if you were, I, I'm not going to try and make like uh, a super strong argument for like Fear Factory in 2021 being some sort of sacrosanct institution. I don't, I don't think that that's the case, but I'll tell you what. A little extreme. There's some riffs on there. It's a, not a bad record at all, I don't think. I think it's better than the last one. I think it's better than the last one too, and I really like the last one. Yeah, fair enough. I said Schuler when I saw the news and I pictured you as a Tex Avery cartoon when you saw that, you know, he joined Soulfly, you know, in Soulfly now. And I just pictured your eyes literally flying out of your fucking head. Do you know, do you know that four, no less than four people texted me when that news went up on Blabbermouth? And I, um, unfortunately, I am not, they're not coming anywhere near here. I would like to see that, but that's, that's not gonna, I guess that's not gonna happen for me. That sucks. Maybe they'll do it later. I, I can't believe that like Fear Factory isn't going to be on that bill. I guess they haven't, they don't have a new singer yet, which is unfortunate. Um, I was hoping that they would have gotten that together by now, but Fear Factory opening for Soulfly in 2021. Motherfucker, I'm there and I would be stoked. I would totally go too. Rocco, what do you think about maybe it's, this is your chance to be the vocalist of Fear Factory, dude? Would you do it? <laughs> I don't know if the clean vocals are in my future, but uh, I'll try. No, no clean. Bert, do, do your style. Bert, just Bert, hadn't, Bert hadn't been able to sing that shit in 20 years, man, if he ever could. that You don't let that stop you. They were an important band for me and a, uh, a young 10th uh, grade me. I guess 91 that first one came out, right? So 10th grade, that was a important for me oh yeah that early early factory i'm in i remember i remember thinking like oh there's like some clean parts maybe my mommy will like this <laughs> my mom who was vehemently against my my blossoming death metal love and metal sure. love. and i'd be like hey mom like this is like about technology and listen he sings nicely for like a minute <laughs> what, said, what'd she oh. say she was not impressed but she uh-huh. did uh she you know as long as there was not explicit, like, crazy sexual lyrics, she seemed to be a little more okay with things. She did once throw out a Death is Just the Beginning Volume 2 VHS tape of mine. She thought it was a side manual. <laughs> she did not really understand what death metal was. And years later, I just thought I lost all these CDs and shirts, a pungent stench been called Buttering original shirt, which I could have paid yeah. for the wedding for if I still owned it. Um, and one night, like, one Christmas, like, uh, fucking, like, years later, she got all too much wine and she's like I, I yeah i remember you, i have all those things and she just goes into some mystery closet i didn't even know existed in my fucking house underneath the china cabinet in the corner and just pulls out a garbage bag with all this death metal shit that i thought i had lost over five fucking years of time and yeah. there's 
That's fucking awesome. What is the most prized possession in your death metal merch? You should take, you should post them. You should take pictures and put them on Instagram. You'll get like, you'll get like at least 200 likes, man. For sure. Old school relapse shirts like the band Afflicted and Dead World, which are super old relapse bands. Uh, I don't know those fucking bands. Uh, they're good, good shit. Uh, Kandaroo, which is like the guy who created Relapse. Will Yerkowitz was a part of that. Um, shit. An autopsy accident unspeakable shirt, which a lot of these shirts kind of disappeared with girlfriends over the years. And, and yeah, that'll happen. That'll happen, man. And friends and just, you know, general just, you know, taking it off at a house and just partying and losing it and shit like that. So there's probably a few good gems in there, but uh, yeah. Well, look, make sure that you go through and actually pay attention to the shit that's in there. So, like, we, we've been moving. Uh, I had to move twice in the last six weeks. It's been a very interesting fucking six weeks. Um, but one of the things that I ended up finding was this box of Magic the Gathering cards that, that I've somehow, it's been in this Rubbermaid bin that I've managed to carry with me since I was, like, 15, 16 years old. And just for the fuck of it, I started looking online to see how much some of them are worth. And like some of them are worth like several hundred dollars a piece. And like I've been selling them. I sold three of them in the last 24 hours and made like 500 bucks. So, yeah, like the 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 shit that you have that you think is fucking worthless, uh, like pay attention to because you might, you know, if it's stuff that you still love, you can keep it. But if it's stuff that you don't give a fuck about anymore, sell that shit because there's probably somebody that'll buy it. Yeah, I mean, I've been so I've I've got a healthy uh, eBay account with stuff I don't give a oh, shit. Oh, do you? Yeah, so I've been getting rid of stuff over the years. That, uh, I mean, not really too much metal shit because that's kind of like tough to get rid of that. There's so much motion tied. It's kind of yeah. like the thing with you know the old man social media. So sorry, uh, physical media argument of like actually tangentially tangentially like having these things in your hand and like yeah. I mean, where you were when you bought this stack of CDs and the first time you I, listened to it in the car and all that shit. But yeah, like make your own I, I, know, I, I feel like that is, is not so much an old man argument as it used to be. I, just because I do, you know, I network with a lot of younger people and they're in their late teens and in their early twenties who sort of grew up mostly, you know, a little bit younger than you, Zach, who, 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 for whom their formative years, digital music was already a big thing, you know? And it's interesting to see young people sort of going back and starting to appreciate physical media the way that I grew up appreciating it, you know? Because I do feel like, I, I'm not going to sit here and try and say that physical shit is superior to digital shit, because ultimately that's an entirely personal thing. However you do it is, is however it works for you. But like for me, I need that, and it's interesting to see that that sort of need become like this secondhand part of the way somebody at that age group listens to music. You know what I mean? Like they they might have started off listening to it online or whatever, and then started buying CDs or vinyl or whatever. Um, watching that happen has been very interesting, and it's cool with CDs too because like I I'm sitting here making the 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 prediction the CDs are making a comeback, man. Because with oh, no. with the way that uh, vinyl plants are so fucking backed up for like six months, eight months, ten months to a year, um, 
you got to have shit to sell. You know what I mean? And nobody wants to do a pre-order and wait fucking a year to get their shit. Uh, so, you know, I've, I've been having conversations with a, a couple of people who matter in that regard, and they seem to be under the impression that that might be the direction to go. And so I'm very excited. It's like the, I'm the fucking, I got CDs at the ass, baby. I love C like that to me is my native format. You know, like I, that was, that, that was the dominant way of listening to music when I got into music. Um, and I also, I still think that like CDs make the most sense. Like they're not as ornate or whatever as vinyl, but like they're more resilient than vinyl. They're more resilient than tapes. They're poor. You can, uh, you know, in a lot of cases, you can still listen to them in a car if you want to. Like, I just, I just prefer CDs. I'm with you. Um, it's only a matter of time. I mean, if tapes can make such a strong comeback, CDs are, are in, but it's like we need to bring back the CD player, though, too. It's like yeah. computers don't have fucking a drive anymore. You know what I mean? Cars don't. Like, they're killing it that way. So we need to – let's think of a sweet way to market a CD player, bro, and then we'll, we'll spark the comeback. And then people uh, need the player. I, was, I was in a Target yesterday, and they did have a boombox, one with a cassette player and one with a CD player. See, the demand for those increases, right? With they were 30 bucks – Right in the target, you know, there was more of those than there were MP3 players at the side. I'll tell you that, you know. Check that out. See, I, I love to get the physical. I mean, I, I listen to the vast majority of music digitally, but like I buy it physically too. You know what I mean? Just if, if I only listen to the vinyl a couple of times or throw on the tape a couple of times, like that's cool. I just like need that token that like I bought it. Like I can look at the lyrics. I can open the book and like check it out. Otherwise it just feels like like cheating or something, you know? I think with when touring starts up again and shows start up again, people will want, you know, this, you know, can't go, can't buy a stream at a table after you talk to the drummer of a band for 30 minutes and you want to support them. Right. Yeah, I think maybe that'll help be a, a thing. And CDs can be manufactured really cheaply. Right. Yeah, cheap and fast. Yeah. yeah. When you talk about like old music and formats, like it's kind of interesting. I was thinking about this because I was listening to the newest carcass on my bike ride today which uh, we could get into, but I was thinking about older music and the idea of like the genre of death metal being less than 40 years old. And the idea of as a younger group of people and the idea of old school death metal, when people, that's the new thing, right? People want this band of young kids sounds like old school death metal, but it's like, what are they talking about? Well, I, you it's, got just, to it's just death metal. Like it's, I, sure, but it's like, yeah, it just means not like, uh, or tech or something. you know like this means maybe slower death metal. like i don't know but there's it's it's funny there's still so much that isn't known when you think of like the list of like i was listening to the eucharist yesterday and i was listening to the old zizma and all this like shit that is just gone and it's like it's gone but it's only like 40 years old you know which is cr pretty funny to think of less than i mean 90 88 if you want to or whatever the argument of necrophagia versus death versus possessed you know However, you, or Sepultura's first one, which I think is kind of one, whatever. That, that's a that's for other people to debate. But the idea of like all this old stuff being there, I guess, and like where is it? And like why is that? It, is there people say now and they want to give you the old man thing where it's like, oh, it's like old school death metal. We should listen to the old shit. But there is a premium to that, listening to the old shit, the classics, because A, those people are still alive and it's still a vital place for your own inspiration or just 
appreciation. Like, I'm not asking you to like, if you're like into movies, I'm not like, you should watch the original Einstein fucking movies or the fucking Western train coming at you and the people dove away. Like, I'm not, you know, like there's genres of, of art that are super old. I'm not saying like, look at cave painting and the first manuscript. Like, yeah. There's genre, the genre is so young that it should be still vital. Like this thing's like Jaws is still what is it's on TV right now. 1970, fuck the greatest movie of all time. It's still watched by young people. It's weird that this music, it seems that things get lost in the in. in I, I don't know. I don't know even know really what I'm really trying to say, but I think. Well, I mean, I I think that I think the way these things circulate, I think that music circulates in a way that's different from books. That's different from from movies because it can be it is the immersive thing but it's also an accompaniment like you can listen to it when you're riding the subway you can listen to it when you're on your bike i listen to music when i run or whatever um and these things are traded and passed around and they they, they circulate on the they circulate digitally in a way that i think is is different from any other medium and i think that because of that we have really seen a sort of stratification of, of different um, periods of time, right? Like the, the 80s for music seems like a much longer time ago than the 80s for movies, I think, just because of the way that technology has sort of made music faster, you know? Um, I guess I don't know what I'm saying either, but I... <laughs> I do like I I think that I think that the way it's passed around the way that we that we listen to it um makes it more music is it can be timeless but I think that the the way that we listen to it and I think that the like the mechanisms that we use to listen to it like streaming or whatever like that sort of makes it feel more dated than it actually is you know it's it becomes attached to that product if it's a CD it becomes attached to um, that way of listening to it digitally, if it's streaming or if it's MP3. Like you said, MP3 players you couldn't find earlier. Like, it's interesting to me, MP3 players are dead. You know, that's not a thing anymore. You, you, they're, they're trying to get you to do everything from one device now to stream or whatever, and I don't fucking want to do that shit. Um, but I think, that, I, I think that the technology that's attached to, because that changes so rapidly, I think that maybe that has a little bit to do with why music seems why a 40 year span in music can seem like, you know, 150 fucking years for movies or something. I, I don't know. I, I, you know what I mean? Does that make sense at all? Yeah, you're right. And um, even this streaming itself is like, it's new, the newest thing. And now there's so much coming out. There's so many labels that you, you guys deal with and you're friendly with a lot of these dudes. And it's like, they have so much new shit coming out. And I feel like, I don't know Tom from Redefining Darkness, but it seems like he does reissues of some random shit that he might have liked. And I wonder, did those, in terms of sales, I don't know that, how that works. That just might, when he might put one of those out and sell 50 of them, he might put out a brand new band that's active and those sell 200. So eventually he's not, yeah. just financially, he can't put out a million of those pet projects of like some old demo that he loved when he was a kid. So that's why those things become lesser and lesser. And then you have 10 other labels all putting out new shit. And when you go to, I don't know, like a band camp page and like what's new, you go to Decibel or uh, Pitchfork, what's the new thing? And it's like, same thing with any streaming 
Hulu or Netflix. It's always the new shit that's coming out and like it just pushes things down. I don't know how to aggregate or get eyes on an older thing that blow people's minds and be like an amazing thing. And it also, what's the point if it's not promoting a tour maybe or a, who has the rights to all this? That, that I mean, there's a lot, there's so many moving pieces. Like you can be very conspiratorial theory, like with uh, Occam's razor. It's usually the simplest thing, right? Like people like to make fun of Nick Cage. Like, oh, he's in all these crazy movies. Oh, whatever. He's a nut. It's like, no, he's just a guy who probably has like 10 alimony payments to make and like a lot of ex yeah yeah man he, he's in all these movies because he like fucking bought a bunch of castles and shit and had to like ended up going broke all of nick cage's recent movies fucking kick ass yeah and he's still an artist and he still wants to work and it's like yeah. he'd still work and go make a good amount of money he could hang out with young talented i don't know if he's single he could hang out with young women he could hang out with young hang out with artistic people interesting people that man you work at fucking costco you just fucking suck someone's dick to go make that shitty movie and you don't even like doing that like you know what i'm saying like sure. I, I you're people like to always try to find the negative aspect of like yeah. or doing to make themselves seem better while you should be looking at yourself and making yourself a better person but that's a diff different story but there is a simpler reason for most of the things that is beyond my pay grade of why certain things don't happen well, I mean, I, I think that, you know, you, you're absolutely right about pushing new things because at the end of the day, like these are products as much as much as, you know, as people who value art or as people who create art, we want to say that these things are more than just a product and they are, but at the same time, they're a fucking product, you know, and there's manufacture, there's sales, there's all these other things that go into that. And the, the people who have to deal with that from a financial standpoint or using the same currency to do that that they are to feed their kids to make their payments to do all that shit so like they have to they have to make money and so if you look at somebody like thomas from redefining darkness who's putting out like this obscure fucking mike DeSalvo demos from like back in 1988 or whatever which are fucking dope as shit like i I love that them. shit. You know? I bought them. I'll have to yeah. say it right here. Yeah. He's got if at the same time, he's gonna have he's gonna have, you know, more modern bands who help sort of pay the bills on that. And I, I think that that's just sort of the nature of the beast, right? I don't I don't think that it's either good or bad, but I do think that what that does make room for is appreciators, is is people who do what a machine probably will be able to do soon and probably what a machine there's probably a version of it that it can do right now but i still don't think that we have a substitute for the people who appreciate this music who go through you know like you man who have who've been listening to this music for what 30 fucking years now um and can say i got this shirt i got these shirts from these fucking old ass relapse bands that nobody's ever heard of and like a dude like me who's been listening to this shit for 20 years can say i've never even heard of those bands before and then you recommend them to me right a machine can't do that spotify can't do that youtube can't necessarily do that sometimes they end up doing it inadvertently i think sometimes algorithms end up performing that function in a way that's a little bit less personal but i think that that the fact that there is so much of this history over this 40 year period, yes, there is a lot of focus on selling the new shit because people have bills to pay, but that still, that opens up these really interesting and cool opportunities for word of mouth sharing of this kind of music, which I think is an incredible bonding experience. You know, that's one of my favorite things about this kind of shit. It's one of my favorite things about having conversations with you um, and, or, or any, anybody who's been listening to this music for a long time. And I like to think that I do this for, for younger people as well. 
um, with some of the older shit that I'm they're not familiar with. You know, there's not Spotify is not doing that for them. Um, and so I think that we should capitalize on that, you know, not necessarily capitalize financially, um, but make sure that that sort of that those kind of conversations are still happening, even though there is a very big focus on new music, uh, on finances, on sort of like staying relevant, all that kind of shit, you know. I think my biggest thing with the the, the the appreciation of older things is the idea, and it's kind of one of the, the new versus old aspect of the impressiveness of a bunch of dudes creating a style of music that is still being utilized. Like, with yeah. new, you know, I think we may have talked about this in person or in, in, through text or something, but like making music out of making a genre that didn't exist is different yeah. than going, I want to start a death metal band. I have five, 15,000 examples to go well this is what a riff is this is how this works and this is like you look at you know the older shit and just you think like oh well you know it's in the, the 90 1990 like there was all this stuff happening in uh, sweden and uh different chile and all this stuff but like it's not like now where like a brand new band could come out and everyone around the world knows about it that day these things crawling you know fucking like the postal uh, the pony express across <laughs> swimming over the ocean to get you to this tape this random thing that is lost like the amount of effort that took place to have something that's just lost to time at this point is is pretty wild to think of you know putting something on a getting the money to go to a studio and buying equipment and all that stuff that was a lot harder than you think of it is to and to get it pressed and then to just get it across the ocean get it through customs a, a death metal album in in Poland or Russia in the that in the nineties and early like things were looked through things were thrown out in the garbage because this can't have this in our country we don't want this thing you know and uh, they 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 still have that like there's I, I don't know if it's still the case or not but like up until at least two thousand eight or whatever there were songs from the first three Cannibal Corpse records that the band couldn't play in Germany because they're still banned so like yeah that. That there are remnants of that, I think, but I definitely get where you're coming from. That like they're the the way this stuff. This goes back to what I was talking about earlier: circulation, right? The 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 what needs to happen in order for these things to spread the way that they do. Completely different these days from the from the time period that you're talking about, and and that's definitely the an interesting. The mystery is just gone from certain things, like as I listen to the new Carcass album and I think of Carcass is everything I love about extreme music. It's everything from this first time I got a gross ass album cover so much so that I, my friend made a little white sheet to put over the gross fucking shit that I look at. Cause I didn't want to look at this shit anymore to what they were doing today. But Carcass had a mystery about them. There were, Oh, they're medical students. And this is like, this is their actual knowledge. And this is the images that they found or they were vegetarians or, I don't think the word vegan existed back then, but the vegetarians and they're just, they, they're anti this. And there was a war to these dudes that was transcend that would that it made it to me as some dude in New Jersey, but like, how did it get there? Like the, the mythology followed some of these bands around. You didn't know, you didn't know certain dudes were assholes. Like you didn't have to talk about the personal life of a Dave Mustaine or a person that people don't like their politics or their uh, a one interview they gave that they said something stupid, like, you didn't have to have that. You just had this mystery. You didn't know who these dudes were. Who the fuck is Sanjeev? I don't know. But he sang on the first fucking Carcass album. And it's a goddamn mystery to me to this goddamn day. You know what I mean? Like, 
You know, and I would pour over these lyric sheets with these mysterious fucking slogans and shit. Not everything was explained, you know, and a, a dude from five dudes from fucking New York, from uh, Buffalo, New York, were the most terrifying dudes in the world to me on a Cannibal Corpse album inside the, the album. And I'm like, these guys are terrifying. And then, like, you know, you meet them and it's like, oh, these are normal dudes. They live like three, three hours from my house. And it's such a great, I don't know, that, that aspect is just gone. And it can never really be recreated unless you go full portal or, or uh, a ghost or something like that, where you just take away the, the face and completely go radio silent. A lot of like black metal bands, I still think try to do it. But like, I don't know. I don't know how that works in terms of being a band from New Jersey or Atlanta, who's just like, I don't know, how do you get shows? How do you have a social media presence? How do you get people to hear your shit if you're not out there nowadays or you don't? So like just being a mysterious fucking entity, I don't know how that works, but. but just- I, th- I think that if you can pull it off, I think it's a very attractive and cool thing. You just- no, but I, I, I think this kind of goes back to what you were saying earlier, Rocco, about inventing a sound, right? In, invention is a thing that's difficult for us to, to have in our minds. You know what I mean? It's a difficult thing to fathom when you're talking about, especially something like death metal or whatever, that very much has a blueprint at this point that you can find on YouTube, that you can find in, like you said, 15,000 bands. You know what I mean? But when you're talking about the creation of this, when you're talking about the invention of this, there is an unfamiliarity and an unknown to that that is 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 very much gone now but it's only gone in the way that we look at how we found it in the first place you know what i mean so like the the kind of mystery that you're talking about you're right it's gone it's gone forever um the way that the way that that the way that music works now and its attachment to things like social media and live shows and things like that, all of those things sort of necessitate a more holistic image of a band. You know what I mean? Their politics, their personal lives, things like that. Unfortunately, I don't think that you can get away from that without doing like crazy theatrics like Portal or or somebody like that. But instead instead of asking how we sort of get that mystery back or whether or not we can get that mystery back what's more interesting about invention is that there's there's something else that we can do that comes next that might not be that exact same kind of mystery but that still has some sort of engagement to it that still has some sort of way of proliferating this music by like you said word of mouth or by hearing about it from somebody or seeing these bands live, but we don't know what that is. And I think that we're so, even for people who've been into death metal for, for 30 years, for 20 years, I think that the, the patterns that we see in that music and in, the, in that lifestyle have become so ingrained and, and so like laid bare that at this point it's hard to think of the kind of invention that that took place um in order to create this shit you know what i mean because when we when we think about invention when we think about futurity it's always going to end up looking something like what we've already seen we're going to see the past in it you know what i mean but it's not the past it's it's stuff that we can't possibly predict you can't possibly see past that horizon and i think it's really easy to look at the way things were and to want to make the future that or to look at the way we used to enjoy something and want to do that again in the future but really 
what we should be doing, or at least what I should be doing, you know, if I, if I want to see something different, if I want to see something new, is, is trying to figure out what comes next, trying to do something fresh. And, and that is like such a scary, tricky process. You know, I, don't, I wouldn't even know where to begin. You can't really put the toothpaste back in the tube. You know, it's out. You know, the uh, so yeah. can't go back to that kind of lack of just in terms of like. I mean, Zach, you're a younger dude. Like, ever since you've been a teenager, you've had this. You've had social media, so like, you could know so much more about a person before you even meet them, which is something that back. You know, like when we say back in the day, but like you've the the access to just other humans is so wild like you know what you your friends have done before they've told you yeah which kind of influence just conversation and how people talk in general like i and i don't follow any of my friends in social media accounts because i don't really want to know what they're doing when i'm not around because they could tell me when i see them you know like i don't really know it's an interesting thing to think of all this it's so transparent what everyone's doing it, it kind of takes some of the mystery away of like when you finally see people and you discover something about them. Like when I say stalk, I don't mean in a horrible way. I mean, like you could find out a girl, what her interests are and what she's into before you even meet her or go on a date with her. And then it's like, well, now you're playing with a, you know, you're playing with a corked bat, you know, you're kind of stacking the deck against not stacking the deck, but you're uh, kind of cheating. If you ask me, you know, exactly. Like that's been your whole existence. It's like, you, you've known the personalities you've been able to follow people online your whole life of knowing, who Cannibal Corpse is, you know, like there was not that kind of bubble was never there for you. Like, how does how do you look at that as a younger person? Like, do you, you look at that fondly? You think of that time in in a positive hate, like a nostalgic haze that you weren't a, you weren't there for? I think it, it like anything, it has good connotations and bad. You know, I think as far as bands and artists go, I was definitely always attracted to the more mysterious, and I was always attracted to older shit. Uh, because because of that you know it wasn't like a band trying to prove themselves or anything like I like crazy dark fucked up shit that like no one else did like you know nobody fucking knew who napalm death was when I was like you know when I was wearing napalm death shirts in like middle school and high school and shit and like you couldn't find a lot about them on social media and things like that and I always liked larger than life theatrics like ghost and rob zombie and like marilyn manson and shit because they created these personas and they use social media to kind of drive that a little more forward and put their art out there and not necessarily post like here's us in the studio today or here's what rob zombie's eating for lunch or like anything like that they're just like doing cool shit with their art using it as a tool that way so that was what like i liked about social media but even today like yeah bands that i think post too much and artists that post too much personal stuff i mean unless you're like a super fan like i don't I, I don't see the benefit of that i think that's why ghost did so well you know um it seemed like you used to almost deceptively advertise back in older times where now it's like you kind of have to explain everything that your thing is yeah where people will dive into it even though you could kind of access most things for free like vhs tapes back in the day would just be a couple pictures picture on the front that wasn't even a picture from the movie you know like a just random uh, and you just kind of you just said okay like whatever i'll just let the advertising drive me to this thing and then when you get it you get it um i mean i talked to the shuler about how like there's albums that i owned i've owned for 20 years that i still haven't gotten into and i revisit them every like few years and i'm like 
all right, maybe this is the time. Maybe I am evolved into this person who could like this album that I bought because it had a cool cover uh, back in fucking 1997. And I still, I'm just waiting. Maybe in five years, I'll in. If that was a stream, I'd listen to fucking a, a minute and a half and I would have just never thought about it again. Yeah. So, but I had a little like albatross hanging around my neck, like that Dark Seed album's upstairs right now. And I'm like, I should pop it in right now. Interesting. I'm not gonna like it, but you know, maybe I will. You know, and there's certain uh, certain ones that are just waiting for you. You look devious, Shuler. What do you? Think? <laughs> no, I, I'm just. First of all, my fucking my my brain worms um, are telling me that you know we're having a conversation about capitalism, whether we want to acknowledge it or not. Um, yeah. And I don't want to have that conversation in those terms. Uh, so th that that's one of the things that I'm thinking right now. Like all all of this has to do with with currency and commodity. I, I think the the way that the way that art becomes disposable is when it becomes a product. I think. And, you, and when you say like, yeah, I'd listen to a stream and throw it away or whatever, there is some some aspect of having that physical thing that's still taking up space in your home uh, that makes you want to go back to it and and try and find some sort of saving grace to it, right? If I could just interject, I certain albums like I like, I want them because I bought them with a friend of mine that I don't, I'm not friends with anymore. It reminds me of a different time, or like, I'm talking about right now. I actually shoplifted store once. So I mean, memorable experience that I have. So like, it's not necessarily that I spent money and I'm. I don't know if it says nefarious of a, of government uh, getting into my my pocket as as you're saying, but I I, I understand what you're saying, but. Well, I, I mean, I I don't just necessarily mean mean money. I mean, I I mean a bunch of fucking stupid shit that I that I probably shouldn't even have brought up because, like, it's not. I, I'm I'm thinking through the lens of this other shit that I'm working with right now, and because of that, everything that I see is sort of reflected in that. But like, I I often have to think about what it is about art that I appreciate and the material aspect of it that I appreciate and how those two things are linked, right? Um, and so I, th I think that when we talk about, when you say that like, if you'd only been listening to something on a stream and it didn't catch your interest immediately, you'd throw it, you, you'd, you'd never think of it again, right? But then you have this actual physical thing that has its own historicity. It ha it, it, it's been places that you've been. It is the product of a very particular set of circumstances that are that are part of your history you know what i mean for me one of those records is prowler in the yard pig, pig destroyers record like i i remember getting that record it was like 2002 um and i remember it was cold as fuck i bought that thing in hastings in conway arkansas and i remember sitting in my car in the parking lot listening to that cd and hearing that fucking terrifying speak and spell voice in the record and like sitting there reading the liner notes and just being fucking really unnerved, like really fucking creeped out by what was going on. And like, I'll always have that experience. And to me, it is bound to a physical product, right? But what I'm trying to, what I try to see or what I try to understand or what I try to empathize with is that just because a 17 year old kid doesn't have that physical connection to a physical product that doesn't mean that they don't have some sort of version of attachment to that music that is just as important as everything that i felt you know yeah. their thing though is something that i can never i can never approximate i can never get to emotionally 
just like some of the stuff that you and I are talking about right now is something that, that they can't get to. Um, maybe maybe kids nowadays are on a different plane than me because like maybe the idea of having a tangible or oral or something that connects you something from your past is going to be that's like and I'm so tied to it like I have an album I have albums in my collection that I would never part with if they were worth a ten thousand dollars because they have an emotional re- uh, connection to me so yeah. they have the last note my mother ever wrote to me it was just like hey can you do this for me you know yeah. she months later i'll never throw that stupid piece of paper in the garbage because it would seem sacrosanct it would be insane of me to do that i would never sell certain albums because of the connection i have with them in in the same way once again if that's just not how you've grown up if that's not how you can if that's not how you talk to people i'm sure there's kids who have text messages on their phone from the last time their dad ever texted them that they would never delete or voicemail which i know sounds crazy so yeah and maybe maybe seeing a list maybe where you were physically connects to you more well it does but like just because i don't have a cd to put in my player and i'm a 19 year old kid right now the first time i heard i don't know what a popular band is now that i could think of the first time i heard this band i was in the car i was walking down the street i was hanging out with these friends you know so it's still the same thing but i'm so tactile in how i associate with memory i think a lot of people are but maybe we're just evolving beyond having the smell and the taste and the the tactile nature, I guess maybe smell and taste, you're always going to, you know, you're always going to eat, you're always going to smell, but having this thing to trigger you almost like fucking, uh, like a uh, fucking Christopher Walken in the dead zone. When you, I see that quintessence Bork Nagar, C, Bork Nagar CD. I remember this one day that was amazing with me and my friends and my girlfriends, you know, like, and that's, I'll never get rid of that CD because I have that. Cause it'll always remind me of that. So maybe just people are evolved in their way of dealing with how they tie memory to art now. Yeah. And, uh, you know, evolved is one way to put it. But I, I also just think that like the conditions of the conditions that co-produce those experiences have have changed. Right. So even if the it's not necessarily that as people, they're so different from us. It's just that they've been conditioned by a world that's very different from the one that, that you grew up in and. I, I grew up in this weird world with sort of a foot in both areas. Like I, I am very much a product of, of CDs and, and, and physical music and sort of that's the way I got into that stuff. But at the same time, the internet was, was pretty widespread when I was in high school. Now I'm 38 and a lot of the music that I found that I didn't get from friends or that I didn't get from like MTV I think at the time it was actually MTVX was the the metal channel. Uh, the shit that I didn't get from there, I got from the internet. I got from MIRC, from this file sharing peer-to-peer program that was like a chat client that we used to use. Uh, that's where I found like At The Gates. That's where I found like Children of Bodom, a bunch of European, like Swedish and, and Scandinavian bands. All I found from, from that particular era, area. And so... With that was also like, I, yes, I found music there. And yes, I associate that music with that particular medium. But at the same time, I also had this, I, I had that same weird balance with like learning to socialize as a teenager. Um, ICQ, the, uh, the old messaging, I, well, we didn't even call them apps at the time, an old messaging program, uh, that, the, ah, ah, that fucking sound that it made whenever you got it, a message or whatever. Like I, 
while I was learning to be a teenager and socialize with people and talk to girls and, and, and be tight with my friends and things like that in person, that was also being sort of equally supplemented at home um, yeah. by this, by being able to chat with people, you know, on the computer, things like that. So like, it's, it's, it's not so much, I don't think that the people are different, but just like the conditions that, that co-produce these experiences for us and that some people would say co-produce us have changed. Um, and it's like an endless cycle, right? Because we are, we are creating those conditions that can in turn co-produce new versions of us. And, and we do that with technology, we do that with communication. Uh, and I like I don't know I don't even know where I'm going with this at this time. No, that's a good point, man. It, it, it helped me too. The the internet and social media, being a awkward, you know, nerdy teenager, it it helped me communicate with people growing up and stuff, and talk to girls and things like that and shit. But it also was like an invaluable tool in discovering metal and like obscure stuff that I would never have done before. I didn't have anybody to really guide me, so I totally appreciated it and like. As, as much as I'm for physical media, I bought stuff then because I was a nerd and I buy stuff now because I'm a nerd. But like, I wasn't any less stoked on something I'd find on streaming than if I went out and bought it. Like, I, I don't remember ever being like, oh, this, I wish I would have found, like bought the physical version of this and I, it would have resonated with me harder. In fact, it made, it just made going to shows that much more important, you know, to me and stuff. Cause I would find a band I like on iTunes or fucking, even if you torrented or whatever, but then like, I always wanted to go see them if they came through and like buy a shirt or, what, or whatever. So I, I hold a lot of shows special more so than like, I, I don't have many that, that could rival. Like I remember where I was when I bought this record kind of thing. I, I do have that, but it's, it's always more tied to tied to shows, especially if I discovered the record on the internet. Interesting. Yeah. Just, just your, your age can affect every single thing. You know, there's that sweet yeah. spot. 15 and 25 that pretty much anything that you liked in that period you're probably gonna like for the rest of your goddamn life it's just sure. how it, you can't even be there's you're just gonna be biased there's no like clean slate uh, this might be personal for you sure because you were talking about your thing like how do you feel your connection to music has changed and this might be too personal but you've talked about it on the podcast before with your relationship with sobriety or drugs or alcohol it's night and day I mean, there's, I, I appreciate music now in a way that I, that I don't feel like I ever really got to when I was still using, but like, I have to, I have to make sure and sort of qualify that statement when I say that my, my drug use was absolutely all consuming. Like I, that was, that was the need that I served every waking second of the day. And I loved music at that time. And I, I still, um, I still cared about it the way that I do now, but like one of the first things that, that I ended up sacrificing to my habit was all of my records. Like everything that you see behind me right now, this collection has all been rebuilt uh, since getting sober in 2008 because I hawked all that old shit for dope. Um, a CD store, I bought CDs. So there was many dudes who would come in with the cigarette smelling stack of shit. <laughs> Yeah, and you can see that they got the shakes or whatever. Yes, I've been like I was I was that dude. And there are still bands that meant a lot to me when I was younger that I can't listen to now. And it's not it's not like I feel like if I listen to them, I'm gonna go out and get high or get drunk or something like that. It's just that whatever it was about that 
is so entrenched in that period of time that I, because that feels like another person, it doesn't connect with me the way that it used to. Nine Inch Nails is one of those bands. Uh, Queens of the Stone Age is one of those bands. Spiritualized is one of those bands. Interestingly enough, one of the things that, that, that makes, that has kept death metal so close to me since getting sober, um, because right after I got sober, I was really scared to listen to a lot of the shit that I liked. And it's a hard thing to explain, but like they, they tell you if you get sober in a program or if you get sober in rehab, like I did, they tell you that like you have to strip down everything about your character to the core and, and, and figure it because there's something rotten there that you've been trying to fill. Right. I don't necessarily agree with that, but that's what I was conditioned to believe when I when I first got sober. And so as I started getting a little bit more freedom in the, the rehab program that I was in when I got to move out and go to a halfway house and stuff like that, I was actually scared to listen to some of the music that I used to love because I didn't know what it was going to do to me. You know, it was always something that I'd felt a deep connection to. And there was music that I listened to that I couldn't, I, I couldn't feel the way that I used to. Oddly enough, uh, I connected with death metal. I connected with heavy music in a way that you know, I'd been listening to that shit since I was in high school. It wasn't like it was a new genre to me or anything like that, but there was something about it that was still very pure um, where a lot of other music wasn't. And so my relationship with that is, I, I think that a lot of whatever, whatever it is that, that dope did for me, whatever sort of vacuum it filled with, with the problems that I see the world, it's been replaced with a lot of stuff over the years with a fitness routine, with focusing on various aspects of my life, with what turned out to be like a really, really, really serious OCD diagnosis. But it's also been replaced for the way that I listen to music and the way that I love and collect music. Like all of those things have become magnified. They've become more important for me um, since I've been sober. Yeah, Zach, I'm sorry. Oh, I was going to say, that's really cool, bro. I didn't really realize it was, you were that deep, to be honest. That's, uh, it's, <laughs> thanks for sharing that. No, that's fucking, that's, that's really cool, man. It makes yeah, sense man, to yeah. now why you're so obsessive and, and <laughs> yeah. yeah. You poured like a dope uh, addiction into, into this. Yeah. yeah. It's, it was, yeah, it was bad, you know? It yeah. was, it was oh, very bad. And I've, I've, I love you, I've man. been very fortunate. Thank you, bro. I love you too. Stop. Rocco, I love you too. Thanks, I appreciate that. <laughs> I love the words brother that also dudes use because we're too masculine to like say I love you generally sometimes. So we like give the brother and the brother hug sometimes. But it's yeah, nice you got to actually talk about I, I will straight up tell a motherfucker that I love him, man. I uh, And I pity anybody who's too much of a pussy to do that. It, it's funny because when you talk about that, your relationship with using and, and music, and it reminds me of like when you say you can't listen to certain things and um, I've never been in a program or anything like that. And I still party pretty nicely, a nice amount to this day. But like, there was a point, like, you know, I didn't, one of the weirdest things I was thinking about, I was thinking about today, when I was thinking about at the height of my most self-destructiveness, which was just, I'm going to fuck up every relationship I had. I'm going to do as much drugs and drinking as I can every night. And it's like, I didn't go to bed for 20 years. It's a very weird thing for people to think of, like, no, like literally there's 20 years of my life where if I was at a place where I couldn't drink and I was like, well, how the fuck do people go to bed? Like, how do you turn it off? I am, <laughs> I am wild. Like, and I'm like, what am I going to do? I'm fucking smoking cigarette butts out of a garbage can. If I'm like in some hotel somewhere and I couldn't find an open liquor store or a bar or, or have weed on me or something. And it's like a, a crazy thing to think of. And 
when you have that mind and at the height of that, you know, I was, I worked at a liquor store, so I could literally go to work, drink from nine o'clock in the morning. There was times I don't remember leaving my job and my, and waking up the next day at my house and my friend going, oh, we went out, we were, we went to the bar, we went to this party. And I'm like, I don't even remember leaving work because I worked at a liquor store and I could just get fucking shit hammered. Or I just go home, eat, sleep for an hour ago, then start it off again after like an hour and sleep. You could do that when you're in your early twenties because that's just how your body works. Yeah, for sure. Harder. I, I get fucking shit hammered on a Friday. You know, call me on Sunday and I'll maybe have a normal conversation with you. It happens quite a bit, but it's just I still that's still part of my personality. I still like that aspect of torturing myself and getting that next level of uh, what being drunk can do to you—the rush and all the crazy shit. But it doesn't consume my life like it once did. Like you said, you wake up and you think about the schedule of your day. Of how am I going to get it? Where am I going to go? I used to call it the cocaine math, where you're like, okay, so I have to be at work at seven. It's midnight. If we go back to Newark, I could go. We could get another forty. We'll be back by one. We could do it. We'll be asleep by two. That makes sense. I'll be. I'll get three hours sleep, and then you're on your second trip. It's like this cocaine math is not adding up, but it makes sense at the time. Next thing you know, you're going to work with no sleep, constantly. We so, should probably have. We should have an entire podcast just where we talk about that. I would be interested in that if you were. Definitely. I'd love to. But then you say, like you say, like there was these moments where you just, because you're just do, you're using, you're turning off your emotions. You're dealing with the sh- my shitty dad. You're dealing with a better, you're dealing with a dying mom or whatever it is. I'm only speaking personally. <laughs> Those are not analogies. <laughs> but, uh, you know, other people have their own shit. And uh, so, like, nowadays like i can remember if i hear the songs like you're saying there's certain songs and i hear it and i gotta turn it the fuck off because those were the times where i didn't want to feel and music was the way i felt i'd say i sit i smoke, smoke a cigarette this is my cigarette song i'm fucking drunk as shit pop in a cigarette oh i'm feeling stuff because this song is telling me i'm feeling stuff right oh these lyrics are emotional lyrics about this and it's so romantic to be in a bad relationship and it's like no all that shit sucks in real life it's just so <laughs> when it rhymes and it's got a cool keyboard part behind it you know so when i hear those songs now sometimes it's just like jesus christ turn this fucking shit off i don't want to cry at nine o'clock in the morning at work because i don't need to hear this shit, you know what i mean so i totally get what you're saying about how because there is a heightened thing and there's music that it is elevated when you're when you're using drugs using the term using that a version of that but just on drugs like having a good time there's a reason they're there not for everybody though and so yeah it's a it's a weird truth to learn about yourself but it is incredibly individualized you know what i mean and that's what i I broke my drinking at shows i still get i still drink at shows but i used to get so nervous i would have horrible diarrhea i'd be shitting myself i used to take like six emodiums just because i was nervous going to shows being around that many people once i first started going to them heavily when i was like you know late early 20s when i had friends to go with shows and i would go to them a lot I was still so nervous and I would pregame and I'll get fucking shit hammered before I even got in the place. Right. And then I started realizing I'm, I don't even remember the show, not in a good way of like, I started drinking there. Like I was blind drunk before I got there. I saw Opeth, Paradise Lost and somebody else. And I fucking passed out next to, it was an Irving Plaza, New York. There's a little stairway by the bar. And I remember I was so fucked up and I couldn't move. And all I could do was lay in the corner. And I just remember some girl asked me and she goes, look at that fucking asshole. That's the only thing I remember about the show. And I just was like, what the fuck is wrong with you, dude? You're such a fucking asshole. You're dropping 60 bucks to go fucking pass out and have people make fun of you as you lay there like an idiot. And it was just to get through my own social freak out of like going to this public place. I was doing it to comp because I just couldn't deal with it. And then I just, well, you just need to fucking deal with it, dude. Or just not go to the show because 
you're just making a fool of yourself and acting like a fool. So that was the last show I blacked out there. As, and it, it is it is a unique person who can who can sort of see that evidence in front of them and make some sort of meaningful change after that. Like I I was unable to do that. I couldn't I, I knew that everything about my life was shit and I'd done a whole lot of things to stay high that I that I regret and that I paid for legally. Um, but I uh, I still couldn't stop things so so, I had to get it's easy for people to look down upon us like look at Zach and he's a young handsome buff well that young boys gonna be 27 next month approaching 30. Oh dear yeah compared to us brother yeah, that could be your dad we'll have to have a whole podcast about our uh drug war stories because I, I have quite a few you might be surprised we should we should do that we should and I like I have to go I have another appointment here in a minute I hate that I have to get off but like I fucking this is getting to an interesting place that I think might be beneficial for, for maybe not only for us to talk about, but also I think maybe for other people to listen to, because this is not something that I see come up in conversation a lot in this community. Right. There is, there is an aspect of mental health that I think of when, I mean, I'm not talking about your podcast in general, but the idea of mental health in terms of like being in a band, touring with a band, going to shows. It's a thing that most people who, like most people, the most music they watch is a cover band on, the, on like six times a week. And they're not going to this world all the time. And they're not touring with people. Like it's a very unique atmosphere that you're putting yourself into that it, it does require. Just for me being a 20 year old kid who couldn't handle being around that many other people to everything else that everyone else is carrying with themselves. God only knows what it's like for a fucking five foot two year old, five foot two year old, five foot two girl to go to a show surrounded by a bunch of fucking Hulk and stink monsters. I have a friend who is like 25 and I talk to her about it all the time, you know, and she's her take on going to a show is the difference between shooting a bullet and throwing a bullet compared to how me and you would all go to a show. Definitely. That's just how it is. But yeah, sorry. I don't mean the blab. I think. No, that's good. Oh, that's cool, man. We're going to have to revisit it. Part two coming soon. People out there. Come listen. Rocco, it is fucking always awesome to talk to you, man. We love Thank you, you so much for giving us some time. Yeah. Dead at bandcap.com. <laughs> I'm not yeah. chain to the dead, everybody. They rule. Trust me. You sound like we don't even fucking talk about chain. What a shame. We're gonna get we gotta get you back for part three, then, man, because I, I, I need to know what's going on with chain to the dead as well. Yeah, yeah. all right. People, you've signed up for two more podcasts, whether you like it or not, motherfucker. That's my contract. Put me in it. All right, dog. Your nation's deal. If you get paid more, I gotta get paid the same, which is we'll do it. Yeah, if anyone heard this, they if they want to, if you're not annoyed by me, Chain of Dead, bandcamp.com. It's, it's, it's more than just me. It's for three other people. And uh, and we love them. We love Chain to the Dead. Right now, I'm setting up my office, man. I've got my fucking Chain to the Dead sticker that's going Ooh. up. Like, I'm serious about this shit. I'm into it. Love it. Thank you. I appreciate all the support over the years, guys. You guys will be goodbye. Absolutely, man. We love you. It's awesome talking to you. We'll talk to you soon. Take care, guys. Good talk to you. Peace out. Bye, bye, bye. As always, what a good...
We got to get him back. We got to get him back again. We got to start going through a lot of the older people, like a lot of the past episodes and bringing them back, like a where are they now type thing. Yeah. No, we're definitely have to continue this series with Rock and Marta. We could do like a Godfather, like, uh, <laughs> like, like graphics since it's with Italian based part two, part three. <laughs> that would be fucking awesome. That's yes. What we're gonna do. We figured it out, man. Absolutely. Awesome, man. No, brother. Love you too, brother. All right. Peace out, homie. You too, man. Take care of yourself.